You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Living by Faith, Part 3. Enjoy. Hey, Highway family. Good to be with you on Sunday morning. God is so good. I hope you're staying refreshed. I hope you're stirring yourself up in all that God has prepared for you. I hope you're you're opening your mouth in your homes and worshiping Him. I hope you're receiving from Him all throughout the day. I'm amazed that God never gets tired of giving. And don't let anyone tell you differently. He's so perfect in power, He constantly gives, but He never diminishes. <laughs> And he's never tired of giving to you. He's never tired of ministering life to you. He never tires of meeting your needs. He's never tired of you coming to him. He's never tired of revealing to you the way that you should go in your life. He's never tired of of you in any way. So I want to encourage you, however long this lock-in continues... Take advantage of the time and and take advantage of the isolation (laughs) and get alone with your Father. Let the Holy Spirit quicken you, fill you up, and and show you uh, new realities in Christ. Let, Let Him make Christ more real to you, more clear to you. Let Him help you see how good God is. I know He has a word for you this morning to our time together. I'm excited about it. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful. You've made us your sons and daughters through the blood of your son. And we are grateful beyond words. Father, thank you for enabling us to spend this time together with you through the internet. Father, we thank you for you, uh, for your inability to get tired with us. Lord, you don't know how to do anything else but to give to us. You truly are the giver of every perfect and good thing. It comes from you. You're the Father of lights. You're the, you're the giver with a capital G. That's who you are. That's what you do. And Lord, we're receiving from you this morning. Holy Spirit, we're depending on you to illuminate our understanding that we would be sure and certain that we would have clarity regarding your calling upon our lives that we would be sure that we would know that we would understand the riches of our inheritance in you that we would be sure and certain and understand the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that is alive in us today. We give ourselves to you, Holy Spirit, and we thank you for transforming us and taking us higher in Jesus' name. Amen. For the last two services, we've been talking about living by faith, and we're going to finish that up today. This is part three, and I want to encourage you to go back and to listen to parts one and parts two and to get, get all you can out of what the Lord has been sharing with us regarding the simplicity of faith. And you know at Highway Church, 
that we like to take our time to de-religify things. We like to take our time to peel away any, uh, any barriers or any buildup or mildew that's been growing over uh, your thoughts or understanding that may have come through uh, religious tradition. You know, it's interesting just being in this world because it's a fallen world. Satan's the God of this world. Have you noticed that you don't have to do anything to accumulate dust and, and dirt in this w- world? You know, it's, it's amazing. You clean your room and, and just <laughs> you're not doing anything in there. It's just over time, dust starts accumulating. And given enough time, it starts getting pretty thick. And, you know, I'm just thinking of the nightstands we have uh, next to our bed. And they're, they're clean and uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think if, if you can imagine a, a, a wooden surface that's been sitting, just sitting in this world without moving, you, have you ever seen a, a surface in this world that's covered with dust? And then you take your cloth and you wipe it away and say, whoa, you, you couldn't see the true color of that wood. You couldn't see the beauty of that furniture because it was covered with dust. How did it get covered with dust? By just sitting in this world. God wants to reveal your true beauty. He wants to wipe away the dust of wrong thinking. He wants to remove the mildew of, of wrong thinking and religious tradition so that you can see him clearly and so that who you are can begin to shine and radiate in the earth. So we like to de-religify terms because we understand that, that, you know, just part of our fallen nature, part of our unrenewed thinking, part of our humanness is to take simple things out of the Bible and make them complicated, okay? And, and boy, man's religion is profesh at this. I mean, really good at this stuff, where religious tradition will take a simple truth from the Bible and turn it into this lofty concept that is very complicated and very heavy, And do you know who wants your life to be complicated and heavy? Yeah, your enemy, Satan, right? He wants your life to be complicated. He wants your relationships to be complicated, your understanding of your calling to be complicated. He wants your view of your future to be complicated, your view of yourself to be complicated. He wants you to be weighed down with worries and anxiety. He wants you to to wear it, carry a weight through life, a heaviness through life. But guess what? There's someone else who doesn't want your life to be complicated and heavy. And he's not a fallen angel. He's not a whipped demon. He's the Lord of glory. His name is Jesus. He wants your life to be easy and light. Maybe we should say that. Let's say easy and light together, right? Jesus wants my life to be easy and light. By easy, I don't mean we don't have to apply ourselves or that we're never in challenging situations. By easy, I mean not not complicated. 
clear, simple, where I know exactly where I'm going and I know, I know exactly what God's called me to do. It's not confusing. It's not hazy. It's not covered in mildew or dust. Jesus said, my yoke is, yeah, easy. Jesus said that. My yoke is easy and light. That's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, right? My yoke is easy and light. So we're talking about the word faith, but man's religion, and, and we're, not, we're not finding fault with people. We, we won't, we're all guilty of this to one degree or another, but we're just, we're just wiping away the dust, okay? And in this case, we're wiping away the dust from faith. Faith, very simply, I'll give you a very simple definition of faith. Faith is when you put your confidence in someone. That's easy to understand, right? Faith is when you put your confidence in someone or something. Okay? We can all understand that. We can all relate to that. And, and, and we know that faith is not this lofty, complicated, uh, theological concept. That's, that's far from us that we have to try and figure out uh, what it's all about and how do we obtain it and, and grab a hold of it and strive for it. Quite the contrary, faith is inside of us. It's a part of our nature because we were made in the image of God. It's a part of how we're made. All of us have the ability to put our confidence in someone or something. Now, not everyone has put their confidence in Christ and in God's word, but we all have that ability, okay? So when you begin to understand the simple truths about how we're made and the faith that's already inside of us, when we talk about faith, it's not a question of do you have faith? It's not a question of uh, having faith. The question is, who have you placed your faith in? Who have you put your confidence in? Or what have you put your confidence in? And that's a question you want to you answer and know for sure. Okay? Now, some have put their confidence in their training, in their background in how they've grown up, maybe in their family tree, or maybe in their profession, or maybe in their accomplishments, or maybe in their culture. But Bible faith, the type of faith that Christ exhorts us to have, is a faith that is placed entirely, completely, solely in God himself. That's Bible faith. Bible faith, let me say it very simply this way. Bible faith is when you put your confidence in the goodness of God. Bible faith is all about the goodness of God. When I have Bible, when I put my faith we're talking Bible faith. When I put my faith in the confidence of God, in the goodness of God, excuse me, what does that mean? It means because my confidence, how can, let's say it this way, how can I tell 
if my confidence is in the goodness of God. I can say I have faith in God, but how, how can I tell? What are the, the signs? What, are the, what is the evidence that my faith is in Him? I will be sure and certain that God is able and that He will. When my confidence, my faith is placed in His goodness, I become sure and certain that He is able and that He will. Okay? So if I'm not sure and certain that He's able and that He will, my confidence hasn't been placed in His goodness yet. That's why the knowledge of His goodness is so important. When my confidence is placed in the goodness of God, I become sure and certain that He is going to move on my behalf. Not, be, not because of, of something I did to deserve it, but because He's good. When I put my confidence in the goodness of God, listen to me, I become sure and certain that God himself will employ his power for my benefit. God himself will employ his perfect power for my benefit. That's confidence in God. You say, is that arrogance? No, not at all. Why? It's his nature. It's his desire. And he's revealed this to us in his word. God gave his son as a demonstration of his goodness. God gave his son as a demonstration of what he is able and willing to do. How are we doing? Good? Let's read this from the scriptures. See, if we just wipe away the dust and look at God's word, it changes everything. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. I am amazed at the amount of believers that don't understand what the goodness of God means in their daily lives. Saying God is good, it's true, but what, you know what's better than saying is good is knowing He's good. Knowing what His goodness means as I go throughout my day. Knowing that He's for me every step I take. Knowing that He is moving on my behalf. Knowing that he, if He has to pass by a million people to bless me, He's going to do it. See, Bible faith is very different than religious faith. Religious faith is this false piety and a false humility and it's a, a putting down of yourself. And oh, I'm just a so-and-so and oh, if the Lord decides someday to bless me, well, that's up to Him. That's not Bible faith. That's ignorance of the goodness of God. Bible faith says the Lord is is the strength of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Bible faith says the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not lack. 
No good thing. Bible faith says, my God is meeting every need of my life according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus every day of my life. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Let's just read it. Not, no, get, don't, you, that, did I see someone with some religious goggles on? I thought I saw a couple pair out there. Take those religious goggles off. Get those religious earphones off. Romans 8, verse 32. Let's just read it. And let's believe it. Simple. Easy. Light. He who did not spare his own son. So who is that? God the Father. Who's his son? Jesus, right? God the Father who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If you're wondering if God wants to answer your prayer, read that verse. You meditate on that verse and I guarantee you a confidence will begin growing inside of you. I don't know how many times the Holy Spirit has encouraged me with that scripture in my life. And faith came alive in me. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely, it's at no cost to us. All the cost is to him. That's a giver. That's the goodness of God. Freely give us all things. The message translation says, so what do you think? Question mark. <laughs> With God on our side, this is verse 31, with God on our side like this, how can you lose? I like that. Verse 32, if God didn't hesitate. Remember last week we talked about Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 and the leper came to him and said, if you're willing, he didn't hesitate. God is not hesitating to bless you. He doesn't hesitate where you're concerned. How do we know? He gave his son. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us. Wow. Embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son. Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? What's the answer? Nope. Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Do you realize everything you could ask God for, if you, if you take all of your, the things you're desiring and asking God for, and you put them all together and, and, and sum them all up, do you realize they're just pale in comparison to what he's already given you? So whatever it is that you're needing and desiring in your life, it's a given. 
when you've placed your confidence in the goodness of God. This will change the way you pray. It will remove question marks from your prayer life and replace them with fulfilled answers, real, tangible, manifested answers to your prayer. The Passion Translation in verse 31 says, so what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? Another rhetorical question, no one. Listen to this, for God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly, remember we talked about Bible faith, certainty, being sure and certain that God will employ his power for my benefit? He certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. <laughs> I love that. Listen to me. The ministry of Jesus was a constant demonstration of the goodness of God. Not what religious tradition says about Jesus. I'm talking about the actual ministry of Jesus that's recorded in the Gospels in the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, we see a constant demonstration of the goodness of God. When I'm tempted to, to get discouraged or, or to wonder about what God would do in my life, I go to Jesus. I go to the, the recorded, written ministry of Jesus in the Gospels and Acts, and I look at the goodness of God in action, and I'm quickened, and my confidence is steadied, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to receive what God has for me because I see the goodness of God reaching out and touching a, a diseased man, the goodness of God unafraid of catching anything, touching a man that is not legal to touch and making him whole. I see the goodness of God restore diseased, eaten flesh and make it like a baby's bottom. <laughs> Listen, your heavenly Father wants you to be filled completely, bubbling over with the knowledge of His goodness. In fact, the Apostle Mark records Jesus beginning his ministry with a very special announcement. Do you want to read that? Let's read it. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. 
This was Mark's recording of the opening broadcast of the ministry of God's Son, straight from the lips of Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. This is what it says. Jesus is talking. Now, he just, he just came from whipping the devil in the desert. He beat him at every turn. Right? Prior to this, before he went into the desert, he was baptized by John. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. He went into the devil, and, and the devil lost at every turn. And he's, he's defeated him, and he comes out of the desert ready to begin his ministry. And Mark records the first thing out of the mouth of the Son of God. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has arrived. Repent and believe the good news. Now we've got to wipe some dust away again here. This word repent, it's about as a wrong of word as you could use to translate the Greek word here. The English word repent just makes no sense when you understand the Greek word metanoia. You've got to understand that. The Bible wasn't written in King James. It wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And unfortunately, what happened is they're, they're, they're creeped up into, into uh, modern-day churches. I say modern-day, you know, within the... 1300s, 1400s, 1500s in there. And even before that, you, hey, we see it in Galatians, right? We see it in the New Testament. But they're creeped in this idea of paying God back for my sins. It was called penance. Jesus came to set us free from that bondage. You can never pay him back. But they use this Latin word, this English word, penance, and it was a regular practice among some Christians and among very large churches, the practice of penance. So they took the Greek word metanoia. We're wiping some dust away. It's okay. They took the Greek word metanoia and they translated it as repent. Listen, that's where we get our word penitentiary from. Penance. Same Latin word. It puts you in bondage. It's not, it's not confidence in the goodness of God. I don't know, it's, I don't know what it is. It's, it's not confidence at all. If anything, it's confidence in your own works, in your own ability to try and meet God's standard. And we know we can't do that, right? So what the word metanoia, the Greek word metanoia, if we want to understand simply what it means, it means to change the way you think. To think differently. Now let's, 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 let's take a moment. Let's, let's wipe some more dust away. Why would Jesus say, think differently and believe the good news? Doesn't that seem odd? He's a, does that seem like an odd statement to begin your ministry with? Not really. So here Jesus is beginning his, his ministry and he says, think differently, change your mind, and believe the good news. So what does that reveal to us? 
What were they thinking? Bad news about God. Can you see that? If they weren't, he wouldn't have had to say anything. So God's people were thinking things about God that were dark, that were bad, that were contrary to his true nature. And we needed Jesus to come into the earth and reveal to us the true nature of God. Because man had gotten into this funk and couldn't get out of it. What was this funk? They were thinking God caused tornadoes and tragedies and, and God was controlling everything in the earth and, and, and God might bless you one day and he might wipe you off the face of the earth the next. I've heard some things like that in this day we're living in. So Jesus comes along and he announces his ministry. He says, think differently. Don't believe those lies anymore. Now I'm here. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. The son of God's in the earth. The goodness of God is on the scene. I want you to believe in the goodness of God. It's a big change. I'm telling you, this is simple. But the power of it is limitless. And you will be amazed at the change in your mind and in your body when you begin to focus on the goodness of God. Knowledge of the goodness of God. Confidence in the goodness of God brings the real you to life. Knowledge of the goodness of God, confidence in the goodness of God will unlock and, and free your full potential. I'm thinking about the time, and this was, I don't know, maybe in 20... I don't know, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there, we decided we wanted to build a tree house for our kids back in the day. And uh, I, I, don't, I, I can hardly make a bowl of cereal, let, let alone build something. So uh, <laughs> we decided we were going to build this tree house. And, you know, it was back a good 250 feet from our home. There was no electricity back there. You know, so I got the few tools that I had, my hammer, you know, that you hold in your hand, and my saw, my, all my manual tools and my nails, and got all the stuff I had, my saw horses, and, you know, we, we, we cut down some trees, we gathered some, some fallen trees, and, and got our wood together and our materials together, and I asked some friends to help me who actually knew what they were doing. And I see all of my, my friends who knew what they were doing coming over, and, and they had different kind of tools than I had. They, they brought these table saws that you plug in. They brought uh, uh, nail guns with air compressors. And, you know, they started setting out all these tools, and I'm thinking, now I don't, I, you know, like I don't have a lot of experience with them, and I'm thinking, well, we're going to get something done now. But, you know, as, as all these tools were set out, none of them made any difference until they were plugged in. 
So here are all these tools and the air compressor, the nail gun, and it's all back by the treehouse, but the power is 250 feet away. And what we needed were some extension cords. Well, I had some, so my friends had some, and we put them all together and they reached. And man, when we, when, when we plugged in that compressor and that nail gun, it made all the difference. When we used the power tools, it's like that, that, the potential of that tool was unleashed when it was connected to power. So if we didn't have any power, and regardless of how much potential, how many uh, features the tools have, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have been effective. We couldn't have used them. They wouldn't have been able to accomplish the task at hand until they were connected with power. And listen to me, the knowledge of the goodness of God is what connects you to the power of God. So you could be going through, through life a beautiful nail gun, a beautiful table saw with all kinds of modern features, but you'll never get the job done. You'll never discover your true potential until you grow in the knowledge of the goodness of God. And when you grab a hold of the knowledge of the goodness of God, you're going to experience the power of God and the real you is going to come to life. And man, after not only the power tools were brought there, but once they were plugged in and we began using them, things just started happening. And instead of, it was, my yoke is easy. My load is light. Listen to me. Many believers are struggling, not because God's will is difficult, because they're not connected to his power, because their knowledge of his goodness is not sufficient. Because their knowledge of his goodness is not sufficient, they're not, they're not leaning on and experiencing and walking in his power. Jesus came to change that. He said, think differently now. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. I'm here. Believe good things about God. Grab a hold of the goodness of God and let's get this thing done. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. You're going to hear a whole lot about the goodness of God at Highway. Why? It's the power of God. It unlocks the real you. It enables you to accomplish the things that God has called you to accomplish. We need to hear more of the goodness of God. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. He said, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. I wasn't ashamed when people started bringing their power tools over. I'm like, yeah, bring your power tools. Let's do this thing. My little hammer ain't cutting it. For I'm not ashamed of this good news. God, bring your power tools. He came. Jesus is God's power tool, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. See, God knew that we couldn't build the treehouse. He knew that all of our efforts were going to fail. He knew that we can never fulfill our destiny, that we can never become the people we are made to be. So he had to send Jesus. He had to send the Holy Spirit so that we could be filled with the resurrection power of God himself and build our treehouse. 
I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Yeah, just like a nail gun. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Have you ever tried to fix your own life? What a project. Woo! This good news tells us how God has fixed us. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. What's faith? Confidence in the goodness of God. God's will for your life, God's destiny for your life is accomplished from start to finish by you putting your confidence in his goodness. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith, confidence in the goodness of God, that a righteous person has life. Put that definition in there when you're reading your Bible. Faith. Confidence in the goodness of God. It'll help you understand it. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith, confidence in the goodness of God, comes by hearing. Hearing the good news about Christ. Isn't that simple? So if I want to have Bible faith, if I want to walk in the destiny God has for my life, man, I've got to hear the good news about how much God loves me and all that he's done for me through his son. Hallelujah. So in our last couple of messages, we brought up two people in the gospel of Matthew, and, and you can see them uh, also recorded in other Gospels, but we talked about the centurion and we talked about the woman of Canaan. We didn't get into the woman of Canaan yet, but I wanted to touch on the woman of Canaan. But we said these two people, the centurion and the woman of Canaan, were unique in a sense. They were the only two people in the ministry of Jesus that received such high praise from him. And we said that we looked at the things they had in common. Now, naturally speaking, uh, one was a centurion, a military man. The other was a, a housekeeper, a homemaker, home a woman. Uh, but, but neither one of them, we know, was a Jew or was in the nation of Israel. They were outside of the Mosaic Covenant. That's one of the most important things they had in common. In other words, they were not under the law of sin and death. They didn't know about that. They didn't learn about that. They were not under condemnation. These two people, and I want you to get this most of all about them, they knew, and you'll see by the way they talk, and we're going to look at what the woman said to Jesus, and we saw what the centurion said last week, they knew they did not deserve what they were asking God for. But they also knew he would do it anyway. Why? 
They had confidence in his goodness. See, when you're confident in the goodness of God, it removes your failures from the equation. (laughs) Both of these people knew that Jesus was the answer they were looking for. Let's go to Matthew 15. And we're going to finish up in Matthew 15. We're going to look at the woman of Canaan, also known as a Syrophoenician woman, not a, a member of the nation of Israel, a Gentile, not under the Mosaic Covenant. But remember, we gave you some background into the centurion's life that before the centurion and before this woman of Canaan came to Jesus, they heard words about Jesus. They heard good news about Jesus, and they decided to believe what they heard about him. And they placed their faith in the goodness of God. Matthew chapter 15, let's start in verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. She has no covenant with God. She's not under the Mosaic covenant. She's not of God's people. Important to understand that. She has no natural reason to to come to God or to expect that he would do anything for her other than she's heard about what he's done for others and she believes that he's good. I like non-religious people. I'll tell you, ministering to religious people is some of the, it's, it's probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Because you just got to get through all the preconceived ideas and the wrong thinking and the arguments and the blah, 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 blah. But when you meet someone who just wants to know God, that you tell them about how much Jesus loves them and that he's their healer and they just believe it, that's such a wonderful thing. Can we, can we do that? Can we be like this woman and like this centurion? Can we just believe about what we've heard about Jesus from Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Acts and Isaiah and the prophets? Can we just believe what the the word says about him and know that he's good and put our confidence in his goodness? Sure we can. Let's do that. So she's crying out to him. Now, obviously, there's a crowd around him, multitudes, right? Thousands. We're going to see thousands and thousands and thousands of people. It wasn't like Jesus walking down the street and she comes along. We're talking about thousands of people. Don't read the Bible too fast. Try and imagine what's going on. 
So she's crying out to him. She calls him son of David. She calls him Lord. She has a reverence for him. She is lifting him up. She is esteeming who he is in her mind and in her heart. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him saying, so she must have been making a lot of noise. She must have been shouting that, that all his disciples heard this woman over the crowd and it was starting to bother them. They said, they said to Jesus, send her away for she's making a racket. Verse 24, but he answered, now listen to what Jesus said. One of the things I love about Jesus is his focus. We see it at the age of 12. He said, I must be about my father's business. He knew what he was on earth for, and he was determined to accomplish it. Jesus answers his disciples. He says, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was his his, uh purpose at that time coming to the earth as the son of man. His primary purpose was for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now he came for the whole world. We know that in John 3.16. But he's talking, uh, uh, he's, he's speaking to the moment. And verse 25, this does not discourage the woman at all. See, when your confidence is in the goodness of God, nothing will stop you from getting to God. So she comes, and look what she does in verse 25. She worships him. Hallelujah. When your confidence is in the goodness of God, you'll worship him. You won't complain. You won't be anxious. You'll focus on who he is and you'll worship him. It's another indicator that tells you, is your confidence really in the goodness of God? Because no matter what the thousands of people are doing around you, you're going to be worshiping him. She worships him saying, Lord, there it is again. She's exalting him. Lord, help me. Verse 26, but Jesus answered and said, it is not proper to take the children's bread. That that was the nation of Israel, right? He said, I came for the lost sheep of Israel. It is not proper to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. We just watched a movie, uh, I think it was, I don't remember if it was Netflix or Amazon Prime, but this family was, was fighting a, a drought and they had very little food and the son was about to give some food uh, and they, had, they were poor, they could only eat one meal a day, they were trying to get through this drought and, and they just put a little portion and the dad was, was trying to do without so his kids can eat and, want, and the son wanted to take some of his little portion and give it to the dog and the dad scolded him for it. <laughs> you told that's not for the dog, it's for you. That's for my kids. What's more important, your dog or your kids? What's more important, animals or people? 
Come on. People were made in the image of God. Jesus had his priority to fulfill God's mission, to focus. So he's saying something. He said, it would not be proper for me to take the... Now, what is the children's bread? Here's the goodness of God, isn't it? What did she need? Healing for her daughter. What did Jesus call healing? The children's bread. The most basic provision for God's children is healing. Goodness of God, see? And cast it to dogs. Now look at her response. Love this woman. She said, truth, Lord. She knows he's truth. She knows he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She's John 3.16 right there. John 3.16. You came for the whole world and I know it. The goodness of God is for everybody, and I know it. Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She doesn't want a slice of bread. She's saying, I just need a little touch. I just need, you ever looked at a crumb from the bread you're eating, how small they are? Some are so small you almost can't see them. I got a slice of bread about this big this morning I had for breakfast. A crumb fall off that thing. You don't even notice it. She said, I'm not asking you for a a loaf of bread. I'm not asking you for a slice of bread. I'll just take a crumb that fell from one of the slices your people eat. What is that? Confidence in the goodness of God. And look at Jesus Christ. Response, oh woman, great is your faith. Great is your confidence in my goodness. Great is your confidence in my ability and willingness to heal. You know you don't need a whole loaf. You know you don't need a whole slice. You know that just a crumb will make your daughter whole. Great is your confidence in my goodness. Great is your confidence in my ability and willingness to heal your daughter. Be it unto you as you wish. (laughs) Hallelujah. The goodness of God. Be it unto you as you wish. Remember what I said? When your confidence is in the goodness of God, it enables you to experience the power of God. If you're not experiencing the power of God, your confidence isn't in the goodness of God. It's that simple. And her daughter was a little bit better No, her daughter was made whole from a crumb, yeah, a Jesus crumb. Her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Let's go a little further. And Jesus departed from there and he came under the Sea of Galilee and he went up into a mountain and sat down there and great 
multitudes. We're going to see they give us a number in verse 38, but thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, couldn't move or couldn't walk, blind, couldn't see, dumb, couldn't speak, maimed, missing body parts, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. Why? They were putting their confidence in the goodness of God. They were believing that he is able and willing to make us whole. And what did he do? Same thing he did with the, with the woman's daughter. He healed them, is what the scripture says. Verse 31, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, and many others, and cast them down, oh, excuse me, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. The goodness of God. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him. So I, I just like trying to imagine myself there. And he's not done revealing the goodness of God yet. You'd think that would have been enough. Then Jesus calls his disciples, so he's making people whole. And he calls the disciples together. He says, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. So we just read a few verses. We're talking about days here, right? Thousands and thousands of people in days, the goodness of God. And they have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away hungry lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, where would we have so much bread in this wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And, and uh, <laughs> Jesus says unto them, well, how many loaves do you have? And they said, uh, seven. And a few little fishies. <laughs> and he commanded the multitude to sit down. This is the goodness of God. Healing and provision are the goodness of God. He commanded the multitude to, to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all, all, every single person, all eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. And they that did eat were 4,000 men beside women and children. What, 15, 20,000 people? We don't know. From a few fishies? That's the goodness of God. So we want to encourage you. Don't try and obtain faith. Don't try and uh, perform for God. Grow in the knowledge of his goodness. Fill your thoughts, purposefully put into your mind scriptures like we've read today so that your confidence in God's goodness will continue to grow and faith will become the most natural thing to you because you know how good he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. 
for your goodness. And we put our confidence in you. Holy Spirit, reveal to us. Make the goodness of God more real to us than it's ever been. Reveal your nature to us more clearly than ever before. Your goodness is the end to all striving. Your goodness is the end to all lack. Your goodness is the end to all sickness. Reveal your goodness to us. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.